This is the Relevant Podcast. It's the week of May 29th, 2020, and it's the Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Austin, Texas, author and podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. And from Nashville, Tennessee, artist and producer, Derek Miner. What up, dog? Uh, we have a great show in store for you today. It's going to be a weird show. It's going to be a good show. Let me tell you what's coming up. Uh, coming up later... We have none other than Kristen Bell and Josh Gad joining us. Uh, they, I mean, if you don't know who they are, I, I don't need to intro them. Uh, they are part of a new animated series that's debuting today on Apple TV Plus uh, from the creators of Bob's Burgers. It's Central Park. Uh, so they're going to join us and tell us about that show. I don't know if y'all have seen the intros for, or the promos for it, but... It looks really funny. Well, I have their voices forever embedded into the deep canals of my brain, thanks to the Frozen franchise. And, um, you know, as much as I love them both as performers, I'm I'm trying to work past, I'm with some forgiveness issues for both of them. (laughs) It's going to be hard to listen to that interview without hearing Olaf and Princess Anna. Yeah, I know. I know. And, and like I said, uh, I, I, that's not, that, that's an interview. I rarely, I, I would rarely personally pass on interviews, but you know, this one's like, I'm sorry, what you've done. Is too far, okay? It's too far. <laughs> like th- th- those movies are, are are very dangerously addictive to children, and it's like it, it, it's it's it, I, I can't I couldn't go there. But good for them, and they're both very talented, and I do think they're hilarious and smart people. So that's coming up. But first, um, I don't know how to segue yet again. Like we have been the last few weeks, uh, our country has been dealing with some very troubling. And important uh, conversations uh, around the news that's been happening in the racial injustice space. And uh, yet again, this week, earlier this week, the news broke about uh, the Minneapolis resident George Floyd and his murder by police up there. Uh, we wanted to talk about that here at the beginning of the show. And jo- I wanted to invite a couple of friends to join us for this segment. Uh, I wanted Tyler Huckabee, our senior editor at Relevant, to join us. We've been covering it all week at this, uh, the site and on Relevant Daily. I wanted him to join us. And I also want to bring on a friend of the show, uh, author, speaker, consultant, former worship artist, uh, Carlos Whitaker, who has been uh, engaging this topic on social media as well. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Cameron. Yeah, Tyler, I want you to kind of give an update to the listeners, uh, talk about what, you know, the story, what's happening, if they've been living under a rock. And then, Carlos, uh, before we get into the conversation, I want to read a post that you had earlier this week, and um, I think that'll kick us off. So, Tyler, give, give, us, give us the story of George Floyd. Sure. And, uh, and I'll, I'll be a little brief here because I know you've probably been seeing a lot of it. And I know these also that this content can be traumatizing for a lot of people. So I do want to be sensitive to that. But, uh, four officers have been fired, uh, in Minneapolis after an eight minute video of a white police officer crushing a black man's neck with his knee, refusing to listen to the man's pleas that he couldn't breathe and ignoring the cries of onlookers begging him to stop the man who's George Floyd becomes unresponsive and was later pronounced dead at Hennepin County Medical Center. Uh, the whole video is, we do have it posted at relevantmagazine.com. It is very graphic. I do want to caution 
caution people against watching this because I know there's so many of these videos uh, can build up after a while and it just becomes really, really hard to see. But it is important that we're aware of these things. Um, Benjamin Crump is the attorney who's been hired by the family to pursue justice in this case. He said that Floyd's death is part of a tragic cycle in the U.S. This is a quote from him. He said, we all watched the horrific death of George Floyd on video as witnesses begged the police officer to take him into the police car and get off his neck. This abusive, excessive, and inhumane use of force cost the life of a man who was being detained by the police for questioning about a nonviolent charge. How many wild black deaths will it take until the racial profiling and undervaluing of black lives by police finally ends. There was also a press conference from Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Frey, who said that the officer failed in the most basic human sense. Being black in America should not be a death sentence, he says. For five minutes, we watched as a white police officer pressed his knee into the neck of a black man. For five minutes, when you hear someone calling for help, you're supposed to help. I do want to read this. According to BuzzFeed News, Floyd had recently moved to Minneapolis. He worked as a security guard at a local homeless shelter. He was involved in his local church where he was fondly known as Big Floyd. A friend of his told BuzzFeed News, quote, he gave us hugs. He told us it was going to be okay. He told us we could make it. He was such a big brother to me. He was articulate. He was grounded. He was spiritual. He was an athlete. He was an organizer. He was a comforter. He was an encourager. I could just go on and on and on about who he was. That guy did not deserve to die like that. And of course, uh, nor does anybody here. So those are, I'm sure, the facts that we're all very familiar with at this point. But it is important that we understand the context. And then, uh, yeah, this post from Carlos Scott, me and Cameron's eye. Well, and then public outrage. Obviously, there was, you know, uh, demonstrations in Minneapolis and, and, and all week there has been. It's just like this almost seems like it's a breaking point for America. And, and this is an important conversation. I'm going to share. So I, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I've been running relevance Instagram account the last few months and I, you know, we post about Ahmad, we post about Brianna and I didn't post, I didn't say anything on Tuesday night, uh, from relevant cause I was scrolling and a lot of Christian leaders had really nicely designed posts and pretty little hashtags and man, but I mean, seriously, did this worship leader go ask a designer to make this thing? And then they, I mean, like, it was just like really uh, Christian white social media just really was on, you know, right there. And then I kept scrolling and I came across Carlos Whitaker and Carlos tweeted and then posted on Instagram this, no more hashtags, no more. How can I help my black brothers? No more calculated responses. You want to help? Show me your unbridled, unpolished, undignified response to these weekly murders. Cry, cuss, scream, sob. Stop being measured. Raise hell. Start there. And then I saw Carlos engaging a lot of people who had something to say about his post. <laughs> and I thought, thank you, Carlos. Because I think this is where we need to go. I'm tired of... And Derek, you talked about this a couple weeks ago. Like... You know, what, what do you feel when you see finally Christian leaders actually speaking out about this stuff? But do you roll your eyes? Do you say thank you? Do you say too little, too late? And then it's like, this was just like almost like everybody had this perfect response. And it just was like, it felt, yeah. it felt flat for me, man. I don't know. I didn't, I don't know. And I didn't want to just replicate or perpetuate that same old thing. So I didn't know what to say. And I want to talk about it on the show today. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Cameron, thanks for, you know, asking me to come on here for a second. And 
and talk about it. You know, I, I think that for me, where that post came from was after the Ahmad shooting happened two weeks ago, I put up a, a nicely edited uh, seven minute um, decree to my white brothers and sisters on two things that they could do to help the black community. And it was, it was like what to say and what not to say. And I felt like they were like, Oh, thank you, Carlos so much for uh, that input that we really want to know what to say and what to not say. And I was like, okay. And so I felt like oh, well, they heard me. But then when this happened, I started seeing them not saying the things they weren't supposed to say and saying the things that they were supposed to say. And it was just gross. Like, mm. like it just was, um, to me, what it, what, what it showed me was the people that are DMing me. Cause I mean, just so, you, so the listeners know again, like I'm a half Mexican, half black guy that lives in, in the South. And so I don't get to choose what people view me as. Right. So you know, when I'm at the gas station, like people get to pick what they see me as. And that's kind of, you know, who I am. And so the DMs that I was getting is Carlos, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Help me as a white middle class soccer mom know what to say. And I think where, what I'm getting to now is, okay, <laughs> if, if this was your best friend, this is the response I'm starting to give people. If this was your best friend that this happened to, guess what? You would probably get on the next flight to Minneapolis. You would you would make your sign and you would be in the streets marching if it was that personal to you. And that is that unbridled, like just that that inner ethos kind of rage that I'm talking about that so many people are feeling, but the white community maybe doesn't feel that and they want to know what they should feel. And I'm telling them that's what they should feel. That's what they need to be doing. They need to not just be putting up another post because, oh, hey, guys, hey guys, it's Tuesday. Another black guy got killed. Let's put up our Tuesday hashtag post. No, it's time to do more. It's time to get angrier. It's time to march. It's time to do things that honestly, you're going to lose a lot of influence. You're going to lose a lot of friends. But guess what? Like, I don't care anymore. Like, like that's where that's where I feel like people need to get to the, you know, and I'm not saying that Christians need to be filled with rage all the time. But listen, yes, you do over this. And, and you need to treat it as if it is your, um, your best friend that this happened to. What would that, what would that look like? And then allow that, that to begin to rise up. And that's really, you know, if you go into the, the, the comment section of my Instagram post, man, you know, I mean, it's, it's the typical ones that are coming, oh, black on black crime. How come you're not angry about that? Or, oh, Carlos, you know, um, you know, oh, <laughs> Derek, uh, this is an audio podcast. Thank God. Uh, and and uh, how about how about this, uh, Carlos? What about um, um, uh, police officers kill uh, more white people than they do? You know, it's all those talking points that 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 come into my comment sections. And honestly, like three three of the m most massive ones, they were all anonymous because they didn't want to show their face. Uh, they didn't want to and. And again, you know, like all of those points can be refuted by me in 30 seconds. Like the post of this conversation isn't to refute your stupid black on black crime things or your, your ignorant, well, cops kill more white people post. The point of the matter is the rage that needs to be um, exploding out of you needs to be so personally felt that I need you to imagine if this were your best friend, I don't care what color they were, what would you do? You will, you would bang on that on a Minneapolis city, whatever police station and until justice was served. And that's what I'm talking about. And, and again, I'm, I'm coming at this for, for so long as a, as a guy that the majority of my audience there, it's, it's white soccer moms, to be honest with you. That's like who follows me on Instagram. That's, that's my, and so it, it suddenly the last two years as I've gotten louder about this has made a lot of people very uncomfortable. 
I've lost a lot of followers because I'm speaking out on this, but I feel like I have an opportunity um, to get angry um, and to get loud and to have people go, oh, well, this is really bothering Carlos too. Carlos, I never really saw you as a black man. I never really saw, you know, hmm. all these things. And so I feel like all of these emotions have, have just been, you know, uh, like a pressure cooker. It's been pressure, pressure, pressure. And finally that top has come off and it's like, people are like, that's all you talk about. Well, yes, it's all I talk about now. And I'm tired of talking about it too. And so if you're tired of me talking about it, then do something about it. So anyway, I mean, that's, there's my unedited, you know, kind of opinion of what the conversation has been going on in my world. Bro, I, I like I'm spent. Uh, I, I mean, I yeah. don't know. I, I mean, I all I got it. Like Matthew 25 says, when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on the glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, all the nations, and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goat, the sheep from the goat, and He will place the sheep on His right and the goat on His left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison. You came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these of my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me. You cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me naked. You did not clothe me sick and in prison. You did not visit me. Then mm. they will all answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison? And did not minister to you. Then he will answer them saying, truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. And they will go away mm -hmm. into eternal punishment, but the righteousness into eternal life. That's all I got. That's it. It's, it's the truth. That's yeah. all I got. It's good. It's good. I, Tyler and I were talking this morning about what do we do? I'm like, I feel, I feel like this is coming up again and again and again. And we're saying, okay, what did we say two weeks ago, Derek, Jamie? I mean, like, okay, we need to listen. We need to get educated. We need to read. We need to understand this is not recent. This is 400 years. This is, you know, like all these things. Right. And then it happens again and it happens again. And it's like, okay, we were saying, okay, two, five, five years ago, four years ago, we were saying white church leaders, you need to speak out about this. Now they're speaking out about it. I mean, it's like, it's still happening. And I just, it feels defeating. Like, how do we enact actual change? What can and should we collectively, we Americans do? And I thought about Kim Kardashian. We can sit here like another unjust, you know, injustice happens in our country and we can get upset about it and raise awareness about it and talk about it. And we're chasing our tails, Right. Or reacting continually, reacting continually until America gets cause fatigue and they stop talking about it, right? But how do we actually prevent? How do we actually change course? 
And I thought about Kim Kardashian. She could be sitting there using her social media platform to be tweeting about, you know, incarcerations or, you know, criminal justice and justices and all these things. Or she could go into the halls of power and behind the scenes advocate for systemic change with Van Jones and other people. And all of a sudden, like, she's turning the tide of criminal justice reform. And I'm going, what's that step with this, right? What do we need to be doing collectively where there is willpower now? What can we then do? Uh, I don't have an answer for that. So for the next week or so, we're going to do a multi-part series on our website asking leaders, mentors, elders in this space for help and guidance, okay? And then take the energy and the frustration and the anger that we're all feeling right now and the helplessness that we're all feeling and actually hopefully direct that towards something. So. I don't have an answer for it. Tyler and I was talking about this morning and we're going to be trying to link arms with a whole lot of friends around the country to say, we, we got to change this. You know, is it, is it, will we advocate for more accountability in the police force? Is it, is it, is it government? Is it DC? Is it, is it, what is it? Like, what can we do? You know, I, I think, I think everybody, every leader that you're talking to right now, you know, I was, I, I saw Louis Giglio posted yesterday. I can't breathe. Like he posted this thing. Right. And so Louis is a very well-known, you know, white Christian leader in, in our country. And so I was like, Oh, Louis talking about it. Right. And then he's like, it's just sickening. Right. All the things that he's supposed to say. And then I scrolled down and I saw, and I won't, I won't, I won't name the Christian leader uh, that, that said it has to stop. Right. With like little prayer hands. And this Christian leader is in every single picture I see with Donald Trump. Like he's, he has his ear. He is, he's right there next to him. He's, and so I'm sitting here going, okay, can I tell you how, how we can stop? You can walk in and you can be loud about the fact that you're going to tell the president of the United States to stop using rhetoric that is going to continue to advance what is happening in police force that is going to continue to allow people to feel like they have the right to do this. So instead of saying it has to stop in, in Louis Giglio's comment section, let me see a post of you calling the president of the United States because you have his ear or knocking on his door or walking in the white house and making this an issue. Freaking Kim Kardashian has done it. She has made this an issue. So Mr. Pastor, Christian leader with millions of followers, don't let Chris, uh, Kim Kardashian be the one that's leading this conversation. It's gotta be you. Right. Uh, I agree, man. Think anyway. about how crazy that is. That Think about how insane that that is, is that, that um, Kim Kardashian is the leader yeah. In, in in freaking yeah. uh black rights. <laughs> like, you 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 evangelical preach every morning to people every morning are getting upended by Kim Kardashian. Like let yeah. let that sink in. You guys are a joke when it comes to black people. You wonder why we don't come to your churches. You wonder why we feel uncomfortable. This is why, because to get change in the criminal justice system, daggum Kim Kardashian has been more of a leader than you. You're a joke, Mm. a joke, Mm. period. Like, and I don't care. Don't bring me to your churches. Don't, I'm not playing games anymore. I'm freaking, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. Dog, I watched my grandfather get beat by six cops when I was nine. I got caught in when I was five by some white lady with an afro. Like, mm. like I got spat on my my freaking second day of second grade by some white guys and caught a porch monkey. I've been pulled over mm. by cops, handcuffed, guns to my head. 
Like, this is not a game. I'm not going to sit here and debate with everybody over the, the facts. The facts are what I saw. And that's a man begging for his mother as a guy stands on his neck. And that is the biggest symbol of what white people have done to black people for 400 years. And as far as I'm concerned, like if you if you can watch a video like that and then not be upset or not even take the time to say, I might not get it. But I'm not going to antagonize black people and try to make them hash up why they feel. If you can't see that, we're not family. We're not brothers. Mm. You're not my friend. Like, and, and that's mm. the truth. And if you pastors, if all you got to freaking offer with all the millions of dollars that's funneled into your church from tithes and offering, if all you got to freaking offer is an Instagram post or daggum, daggum Twitter post. That's all you got for me? Someone who's entertained your kids? Somebody yeah. who has been across the world preaching the gospel? If all you have is that? We're not brothers. We're not family. Mm. We're not friends. And that's the truth. Because friends don't let friends go through stuff like this and then turn around and antagonize them in the middle of their problems. They get up and yeah. they do something. You act like you don't know what to do, but you know exactly what to do for abortion. You know exactly mm. what to do for ties and all. You know exactly what to do wow. for everything else. But when it comes to black people, you're clueless. You've been mm. clueless for 400 years. No, you mm. know what to do. You just don't want to do it. Just tell the truth. You're a coward. And you want to watch us and you're watching us die. I have two kids I'm terrified to send into the world. I'm, I'm terrified to go into the world at times because I want to come back to my family. You know how many traffic stops I've been in, handcuffed for no freaking reason? Get that, man. It's the truth. It's the truth. You may not want to hear it. And look, I don't care. I honestly do not care. Like, I don't. I don't. Like, don't, don't, don't hit me. If, if, listen, man, you can watch freaking man stand on a man's neck while he begs for his mother and says he can't breathe. We have nothing else to talk about. Like, I'm done. I'm done trying to consult you on how to be a human. Yeah. I'm done yeah. consulting you on that. If you're supposed to be able to know, if you're good enough to know the Bible and teach the Bible and, and, and you know all this stuff about theology, then you should know enough about seeing people die. And, and hurting and how to help them. That's the God honest truth. I love that you connected it to abortion, man. I mean, like the church has says, the church says we're pro-life. We care about God's creation. We care about all lives. And the, the church has mobilized for 45 years about abortion at every level. Yeah. Where's that level of energy for this life, for these lives? If you're pro-life, you're holistically pro-life. It's life and human dignity. We're all, we're all children of God. Right. And, and, and not only that, look at, you know, I think everyone, you know, to especially white evangelical Christians in this country need to have a lot of self-reflection and self-examination about what issues they actually put their time and energy into, you know, LeBron yeah. James, you know, his post on Instagram had a picture of, and we've all seen the video now of the officer on one knee, the other knee is on the neck 
of a of a black man who's handcuffed. And the picture next to that LeBron James was Colin Kaepernick on his knee. And it, and it was something along the lines of this is why, you know, this is necessary, you know, referring to the protests. How many white evangelical Christians got, you know, for some reason, you know, got angry or took personally Colin Kaepernick's chosen form of demonstration uh, of protests against racial violence? If, if you're someone who's spoken out against that and, and haven't spoken out or, or haven't taken action against this. I think it's time for some serious self-reflection and, 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 and legitimate prayers that the Holy Spirit will convict you to approach these issues in a way that is honoring to him, to the gospel, and to the, the kingdom of God, which we're, we're all a part of. And we all, you know, we're, we're, we're all supposed to be a part of this thing together. And, and if, and if, Someone's impulse is to be antagonistic or, 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 or to divide, then I, I think, you know, and to not seek justice ultimately, then it really is time for some serious, serious self reflection. Because, like, like the scripture that Derek said, Jesus foretold us that things like this will happen, that there will be moments that will separate people who are convicted by the gospel and people who aren't. I, want to thank you carlos and derek for your leadership in this conversation and living by example and saying what needs to be said i uh I, my thing is like okay where do we go you know like, yeah your eyes are open so many of our audience core life crisis what's god gonna use me for what am i gonna do with my life i want god to use me and it's like we over over spiritualize being used by God. It's like, listen, God opens your eyes to the thing right there in front of you. Do something about it. You know, your eyes are open now. <laughs> you yeah, know? that's good, Cameron. Do something about it. That's what God, let God use you, your voice, your intelligence, your ambition, your creativity be used. Let's do something. Let's change things. I mean, there's a reason why Gen Z is not even looking to the church right now. You know, they're not, they don't even consider they're spiritual. But they don't consider Christianity because what they see from the American church is like, yeah. all right, let's do something then, you know, let's be the change we want to see. So we're going to keep this conversation going. Uh, we're going to be, you know, uh, I'm not plugging nothing. I'm just saying here's a platform, relevantmagazine.com. We're, we're going to keep talking about this. We're not going to hashtag this thing and then move on. Right. I mean, this is, thank you. We're settling in and we're going to see some substantive change come out of this. And we'll all be a Kim Kardashian when we're all done. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Carlos, uh, listeners don't know, but you're recording this on your 20th wedding anniversary. We just want to say congratulations. Oh, what? Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Carlos. Uh, uh, You didn't know this, how much I love you guys. Carlos is 55 years old, celebrating his 20th, 20th wedding anniversary today. He's yeah, not, man. Carlos, leave us it, with with at least you know two decades of of marriage is is something uh, marriage that, oh, yeah. that should be celebrated. Give us give us your best piece of of relationship advice. Oh, for creating relationships that last. you're an expert. You're a pro. I, I am not a pro because it's honestly, listen. This is this is marriage advice for men. Okay. 
this is different because I'm not a woman, so I don't know. The marriage advice for men is marry a woman like my wife. That, that, that's all I've got to say. If you, if you can marry a woman like my wife, then you'll make it 20 years because she's definitely done the heavy lifting. So um, anyway, it's, she's, uh, it's she's I'm sitting, just, I'm, Carlos, I'm don't lie. She's sitting in the room right now. She's wondering why your eyes went off camera and we're staring at her when, when you said my best advice is to marry a woman she's, like my wife. She's holding she's up cue cards right off camera. Yeah. Man. <laughs> off. Oh uh, man. All right, man. Well, thanks for joining us. Hey, Y'all should do yourself a favor. Follow follow Carlos on uh, on social media at L O S W H I T Low Squit. All right, thanks, man. All right, love you guys. Okay, hey y'all, listeners, stay tuned. Up next, Tyler is going to stay with us for a special edition of the Hot List. You're listening to Peter Cottontail featuring Toby Lou and Chance the Rapper. The song is Pray For Real. Man, Derek, I, my goosebumps haven't gone down from what you just talked about, dude. Like, I, like, I would listen to an audio Bible if you were reading it. Like, <laughs> thank you, Derek. Yeah, dude, Derek, man. Golly. Mm. Well, uh, how in the world, listener, dear listener, I don't know what uh, I am. Apo- I'm going to apologize in advance for what about what's about to happen going from that to this. I, I, that, that's always inappropriate, but it feels especially inappropriate today. So (laughs) (laughs) it's different. (laughs) All right. Uh, well, welcome Tyler Huckabee, host of our daily, uh, faith and culture podcast, relevant daily, uh, with this week's hot list. Yeah, so two uh, two stories today, and they'll they'll uh, they, they sort of dovetail. We'll we'll see what happens here. Uh, I don't know if y'all notice this or feel pay attention to this, but Twitter has debuted its new fact checking feature, and oh, uh, yeah. you'll never you'll never guess who's unhappy about hey, this development. Why would this be necessary? Why <laughs> would a platform? <laughs> I, I don't understand who with a large following and influential position is cycling misinformation, Tyler. Why is this necessary? This is you, you couldn't have, I couldn't have set it up better myself, Jesse. I've got questions for all your answers. So uh, over the last few weeks, the calls for President Donald Trump to face some accountability for misleading, false and sometimes downright what? bizarre statements. <laughs> Coming from his Twitter, have <laughs> reached a fever pitch. Uh, these cries actually reached kind of a fever pitch on Tuesday when the New York Times published a letter from Timothy Kasutis, who had written Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey, asking that they remove Trump's false tweets about his late wife, Lori. Trump has repeatedly peddled a baseless conspiracy theory that Lori, who passed away from a heart condition in 2001, was killed by then U.S. Representative Joe Scarborough. Uh, just can't believe 
that's true, but it is. Twitter has not yet deleted those tweets, uh, but it has used its new fact-checking feature that flags misleading information on its platform and pushes users to more reputable sources of information. The feature actually debuted earlier this month, but hadn't been used until Tuesday when the president tweeted angrily about mail-in ballots. He falsely called them fraudulent. This is his tweet. He said, there is, all caps, no way, zero, that mail-in ballots will be anything less than substantially fraudulent. Mailboxes will be robbed, ballots will be forged and even illegally printed out and fraudulently signed. Uh, and he goes on, we don't need to do the whole thing. The new flag leads hey, users just, to places like- Hold on, can I just say one thing? <laughs> yeah. Obviously, like, you know, the, the president, when he took office and, and falsely claimed that he would have won, the, the popular vote had- there hadn't been massive fraud. You know, he had mm-hmm. they, there was a federal commission on election security that found, you know, that examined millions of cases uh, of mm-hmm. voting and found one incident of fraud out of millions. Mm-hmm. So uh, not only is it baseless, but is anyone else a little creeped out at how much he's thought about voter fraud? Like all they would need to do are these 10 <laughs> steps that I haven't premeditated. about. I haven't been thinking about voter fraud, but I would say if I were thinking about voter fraud, here's what I would do. That's not a red flag for anybody else. You know, like I just wanted to point that. I just wanted to point that out. My I'm not worried about voter fraud t-shirt is raising a lot of questions already answered by my t-shirt. Who has has two thumbs and is not a fraudulent voter. (laughs) I mean, why are we even talking about mail-in ballots being voter fraud anyway? I mean, we've been doing absentee ballots for decades. I mean, it's like, like that's never been a thing. You know, real talk. I mean, you guys, the the area where I live is is a very you know military heavy area, and most yeah. of the people who utilize the mail in voting system are people who are serving our country and are unable to actually go to polls because right. you know they they are deployed. They are the biggest segment of the population that uses mail in ballots. So right. if you're going to say that you know that that. that mail-in ballots are fraudulent you gotta really be careful what the implications of that accusation are i'm really concerned i think the best use of the fact check um fact check uh thing with twitter is on rappers like just all Uh of the hey yo i got i got the my chain is worth 10 million dollars like let's fact check it Mm -hmm. let's fact check it i used to i used to sell drugs and i did this let's fact check it i want to know where is that little blue exclamation (laughs) i think that's i think that's the best use but don't we all kind of like the like i i don't want the truth about like what Jay-Z actually did before he got big. Like, I like the story the way it is right now, and I don't need fact checkers. I don't need the the liberal elites out there in Silicon Valley. Like, what if you find out what if if you find out uh, Gucci Mane was an accountant before he was a rapper? Like, it was just like, nah, he was an accountant, lived a a basic life. Like, I think that, I think that's going to be amazing is just using that on rappers. Let's do that. Here's Kendrick Lamar was homeschooled. Right. I ranked them. <laughs> I rank them. Yeah. Did Yeezys actually make Kanye a billionaire as he claims? I need to know the truth about that. And then I also, if they can too, save the last vestige of democracy in, in modern civilization. That's the two things I'm tasking Twitter with. Let's get it. <laughs> Twitter. No, that's good. Twitter, yeah. So 
president is uh, not happy about the fact check. He tweeted that Twitter is, quote, now interfering with the 2020 presidential election. Oh, come on. They're saying that my statement on mail-in ballots, which will lead to massive corruption and fraud, is incorrect based on fact checking by fake news CNN and the Amazon Washington Post. Uh. Uh, but of course, Twitter spokeswoman uh, Katie Roseborough defended the company's actions, saying Trump's tweets, quote, contain potentially misleading information about voting processes and have been labeled to provide additional context around mail and ballots, which, like you said, have been used are, are, are a regular part of the of the democratic process and have been for a long time. I think it's funny. I think it's funny that uh, President Trump's like favorite place is to get on the middle of the night and just tweet ridiculous things. And now he's not going to be able. What's he going to do with this time now? Like, what's he going to do? Because he's going to hate Twitter. If if he gets fact checked all the time, he's going to get fact checked all the time. I think it's beautiful. I was telling Tyler this morning, like I was like, I I just see him leaving in a huff. Like we're going to go over (laughs) here to conservative Twitter. He's going to like start a rival, whatever. But the reality is, is his ego won't let him. He needs the biggest platform possible. He's not going to go talk to an echo chamber. He wants the big stage and now he's going to get his hand slapped. I mean, that's, I love it. I'm here for this. Let's get the popcorn out and watch it. (laughs) Here's what I would do if I were Twitter. I like, I like the little UI experience of below the tweet. It says fact check alert, you know, and you can click on it. I, here's what I think would be more effective if Ron Howard's voiceover narration, like in Arrested <laughs> Development, would you, when Trump says something like, uh, hey, you can just inject UV light into your lungs to blast the virus. Actually, that's not a good idea. Or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or Larry ma- David, bum, 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 bum. Mail-in ballots are, are, are ripe for fraud. No, they're not. You know, that Ron yeah. Howard's like narration would be. Yeah, yeah. We can fact check that way, too. You know, <laughs> um, I do have uh, I do have one more story for it. And this is a this this is a bit a little bit of a U-turn but at the intersection of faith and culture. This right. is there. Uh, Clark, I think I think we're ready to go. So uh, next month, Netflix will debut a new thing called Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga. Uh, and it's not totally clear what it is, but I think it's a movie that stars Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams as <laughs> Lars Eriksson and Sigrid Eriksdottir. I'm so Two contenders for the famed global music competition Eurovision. Comp- Eurovision. Uh, and they'll be coming from Iceland. The movie's first trailer is actually just a music video. Um... We won't get into. Let, let's just, Clark, just roll the tape on this on a little bit of this music video. You'll be able to hear it, listeners. I want you all to be able to see this because I think it's important that you do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's I hope this is the Will entire Ferrell film. dressed like a Viking and Rachel McAdams on a Icelandic lava field uh, along the ocean. Oh, this is Will Ferrell singing. That's Rachel. <laughs> oh my gosh! I'm so my dog is back. Let's go! <laughs> now Will Ferrell and, and Rachel Adams are doing Snow Angels. Yeah, I'm so. 
Oh my goodness! Yes. Oh my goodness! More of that. In, That's in, what we need. In in in. Yes. <laughs> so okay. Instant soul, so this right? this is literally what you just experienced, listeners. I know you're like, okay, that was terrible European music. You missed Will Ferrell in full. Like Icelandic Viking yeah. glory. Viking it was, yeah, it was amazing. Uh, this is literally why we are working on right now taking Relevant Daily to a video podcast. So yeah, yes, we exactly. are actually That's the goal. more news on that coming up. Because yeah. 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 coming into host. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just tune in. Just tune in. That's all I'm saying. This is it. This is it, Chief. Wow. Uh, I, I feel like that's, yeah, I just want to ruin, I just wanted to share that experience. And as somebody who's like, has a weird fascination with Eurovision, the, the very strange song contest, which the U.S. is not a part of. And Wait, that's a real thing? Yeah. Eurovision I is a heard re- of yeah. this. It's, so yeah. Eurovision is an annual, it, it was canceled this year, uh, but Eurovision is an annual competition in which every country in the EU submits a song, a band, an unsigned band in a music video is like the Olympics of European music. And wow. I've sent you down a rabbit hole that I do that I I want to rescue you from, but I'm not going to. There's no rope. There, there's no there's no net wow. at the bottom. You just gotta go to YouTube and start watching these. And some of the stories that you'll find there are, are gonna break your heart and change the way that you think about <laughs> Europe for sure, but maybe your life as well. So, so this is a movie about two people who are submitting yes. into the contest. Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. It's another one of Will Farrell's like, you know, he's I feel like he has a lot of these movies where he's the underdog in a competition, you know, basketball, <laughs> figure skating. And it's basically like the yeah. same character over and over. Like, yeah. it's a variation. He yeah. just puts on new clothes. Right. Now I'm going to be an ice skater for this one. Okay, <laughs> now I'm going to be a weird Icelandic wannabe pop star, you know. It never oh, gets old. Go. It never gets old to me. It, it, it's, it never yeah, gets it's old. Netflix so original. Back, that's a well that is not running oh. dry. Yeah. Netflix original, so be able to watch it on Netflix uh, June 26th, I think. Oh, so soon. Coming right up. That's awesome. Yeah, coming right up. Very cool. All right. Well, for more content like that, uh, follow uh, Tyler every day at Relevant Daily, about 10 minutes covering what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture. All right. That'll do it for. It's the hottest, the hottest. It's sizzling. Stay tuned. Up next, Josh Gad and Kristen Bell join us. You're listening to Jesus Culture and Chris McClarney. The song is Revival. It's uh, the live version on their new album. Well, today's episode is brought to you by Bombas. Bombas makes the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. They've rethought every little detail of the socks we wear every day to make them way more comfortable and even purposeful. Bombas does more than just keep your feet cozy. They give back to the most vulnerable members of our communities. For every pair of socks you purchase, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. The generosity of Bombas customers has allowed them to donate over 34 million pairs of socks and counting through their nationwide network of more than 3,000 giving partners. To those experiencing homelessness, these socks are a small comfort that make a big difference. Give a pair when you buy a pair and get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com slash relevant. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash relevant 
for 20% off your first purchase, bombas.com slash relevant. Well, our next guests are Kristen Bell and Josh Gad. They are both part of a brand new comedy cartoon from the creator of Bob's Burgers. It's called Central Park and it debuts today on Apple TV+. Kristen Bell, I mean, you know her over the years. She's been Veronica Mars. She's been in countless movies. And and of course, she's the voice of Princess Anna in the Disney movie Frozen. Josh Gad's the same. He's been in countless projects, including uh, with Kristen and Frozen as the voice of Olaf. But I mean, you know him from The Wedding Ringer, uh, The Daily Show, Modern Family, New Girl, countless other movies and shows. Uh, their new project is uh, getting a lot of rave reviews and, like I said, it debuts tonight on Apple TV+. Plus. Well, our very own Tyler Huckabee spoke to both stars this week. Here's part of his conversation with Kristen Bell and Josh Gad. So Josh Gad uh, created Central Park. This was his idea, and uh, something that that uh, he was interested in talking about. A great story of his is uh, why Central Park and what meaning that place in New York City has for him. Uh, this, this is a cool story. I can recall a very vivid memory of uh, being in the in the spring of two thousand uh, ninety nine. Uh, I had. I was going into my final semester in high school and I had applied to Carnegie Mellon drama where I would actually meet my co-star Leslie Odom Jr. Who was my classmate. And I left my audition in New York city and I put everything on that audition. That was going to be my lifeline. And if I got into the school, I was set. And if I didn't, I was ruined in my mind. And I left the audition and my mom said, what do you want to do? And I said to her, I'd love to take a stroll through central park. And we walked into the park and I kid you not, it started sprinkling snow as I took a step into the border, left the border of this concrete jungle and entered the border of this magical, uh, natural wonderland, natural wonderland. And, uh, it really made me feel like everything was going to be okay. And the thing that I'm obsessed with about central park is it's the great equalizer. You can be the richest person in the world or the poorest person in the world. But when you're in that park, you're on an equal playing field and the park shouldn't exist. It should not exist. And yet here it is in the midst of steel and you you're taken to this place where anything is possible. That to me felt like the magic that we wanted to bring to this series. So then Kristen Bell, who was also on the call, uh, her her friend and uh, colleague Josh's story uh, kind of spurred a little memory of her own. And as somebody who also was very enchanted by Central Park and the first time I was there, I thought that this story was also very uh, winsome as well. I mean, I went to NYU, so I went to school in the city. And I remember growing up in, in Detroit and in Michigan where like there's like as you get on the outskirts, there's like a, a ton of land and and backyards that are just overgrown and you can run around and I was missing that a little bit in the concrete jungle yet I was incredibly thrilled to be 18 years old and studying musical theater and there's something very very special about this paradox that is Central Park and that it just it shouldn't exist there 
but and it is an equalizer but you're able to fulfill sort of both parts of your personality or at least i was where i was like ready to be a working woman and 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 living in an apartment in a on a walk up on floor four <laughs> um you know and yet i sort of yearned for a little bit more michigan and then i could go to the park and that could happen there was and it to me it is it's a celebration of div- which are show is as well the celebration of diversity because there's two different lands right next to each other coexisting and you will not i dare you to find a person in new york city who can't make an argument that you need them both something i think this show does really well is uh, appeal to a wide audience i I think we're used to kids entertainment we're used to to uh entertainment for grown-ups and uh and if something is for a whole family it tends to be kind of for kids but there's like little jokes that only the adults get this show i really felt like was made with families in mind something that targets really every age group Uh, i loved it but i didn't feel at all strange about watching it without kids but i could easily see kids having a blast watching central park Uh, i was curious about the challenge of writing something for that broad of an audience and they were able to talk about it. I wanted to show that I could celebrate with my kids. Um, You know, something akin to Bob's Burgers, which, uh, you know, uh, my co-creator Lauren Bouchard and Nora Smith both also had a hand in creating. And and I wanted it to be a show that celebrated life, that celebrated uh, passion, that celebrated perseverance in the face of adversity, a show that celebrates... Um, you know, all those things that make us so human. And, um, and we didn't feel the need to rely on, on crass humor or to, to, you know, there's the occasional poop joke. I'm not going to lie, but but we, we, we felt, we felt like we wanted something that really could be the essence of co-viewing at a time when there are fairly limited options, you know, where you love something, but maybe your kids don't, or your kids love something, but maybe you don't. Well, we wanted, we wanted something for everyone to love. And, and I hope we accomplish that. Kristen voices Molly, who uh, was very a familiar character to me because uh, she was an awkward teenager who was a nerd who loved comics. And I can certainly remember that from my own childhood. So I appreciated some of Kristen's thoughts about what it meant to play somebody like Molly and the nuance that she brought to that role. One reason I love playing Molly is because a lot of people write adolescence on television in cartoon or live action and you can fall into a lot of cliches you can fall into a lot of places where they're just rebellious or they hate their parents or all these things that aren't necessarily realistic for they're dramatic but they're not realistic and Molly is a an awkward adolescent as they all are because they're figuring out the world but they have somehow in central park shown us this big beautiful brain that she has and this like this lightning world inside her head where she can only draw that she can only draw about but in in that world she has confidence and power and it's just it's i'm very grateful to play her That was Kristen Bell and Josh Gad. Make sure to check out their new show from the creator of Bob's Burgers. It's called Central Park, and it debuts today on Apple TV+.
listening to Dua Lipa. The song is Break My Heart. Well, today's episode is also brought to you by Unbound. For many families living in poverty, the current reality of isolation we're all experiencing is their norm. War confines them to their homes. They worry about their children's next meal or about proper health care for a relative. Yet they smile and wake in gratitude for another day. They live prayerfully in the faith that tomorrow will be better. These families show us the true meaning of faith. Let us live by the example these families lead for us. Since 1981, Unbound has been following the lead of families and walking with them on their journey out of poverty, connecting them with people just like you, people willing to step up and tell someone, I believe in you. You can join thousands of sponsors who have already partnered with someone a world away. Are you ready to be part of something bigger? Join us at unbound.org slash relevant. Go do it. Great organization. Okay, it's time for Slices. All right, what do you have, Jesse? All right, I got sent by I got sent down a rabbit hole uh, recently, and that always makes for some fun pod content. Uh, this is someone <laughs> someone sent me this this link, and it's from. Uh, okay, I'm going to read the words that that sent me down the rabbit hole. Here are the words: first lesson in dream control. Dot dot. I'm in. Uh, I'm in. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know there was any lessons in dream control, but evidently there are, and they're ordered by none other than former Bash brother Jose Canseco. Now, when I grew <laughs> up, I loved baseball, and I thought the Bash brothers were. Com- were I thought they were unintentionally hilarious back then because it was Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco, and there's these big two hulking dudes who, you know, Jose Canseco is now perhaps best remembered for having a fly ball bounce off the top of his head because his body is so massive and, and that that you know he can't properly control it by running through the outfield but now i've been turned on to his latest uh, uh, business venture now you guys may remember uh i think this was a few years back uh jose canseco went on and, and was trying to raise money it, it did a gofundme or, or one of those type of crowdsourcing campaigns where the person who who bid the most money he would take out on a bigfoot hunt in the desert and i really really wanted to go even though I know that's a trip I might not ever come back from. Like, (laughs) I I don't feel like those (laughs) are the circumstances that you want to be on is a Bigfoot hunt with a former Bash brother, particularly that former Bash brother. But anyway, I I wanted to see what what he he was talking about. And and, and this is a Twitter thread from a couple weeks ago. And I'm going to bring you the the latest update here. He said he teased something out. He said, I'm going to teach (laughs) dream control seminars. After you get your master's in dream control, you'll be able to enter a facility where you'll be put into a a coma induced dream state for whatever time you choose and will be able to do whatever you want with no restrictions whatsoever. Nope. Dream that's life. The matri- nope. That's the matrix. That's the matrix. It's Inception. It's, 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 he's just he's just talking about the plot of the movie Inception. Dream life for everyone. Uh, but he also warned this. This is why you have to take the seminar. If you die in your sleep, you stay in the dream state plane. So you better know how to control your dreams. Just a warning. Don't go dabbling. And, and he said this, this is, is the total first recall is what this is. It's not <laughs> yes, even it's, yes. it's, it's total recall. Yeah. yeah, it's like a mind r- wipe. And, and first lesson in dream control, ask yourself, am I dreaming as much as possible? Once you ask yourself while you're dreaming, you will know what to do. Limitless power to control a gate to another life. He then went on a few weeks of tweeting about uh, his desire to get into bare knuckle fighting. But today he, or, or earlier this week, he got back into what I'm really was here for was updates about this dream opportunity. Uh, so, oh, he, yeah. so this is what he tweeted yesterday. 
Who wants to be a part of the next billion dollar industry? Guess what? Dream life, controlling your dreams. Uh, <laughs> he said, if you can control your dreams, you'd have a perfect life wherever you wanted. Anytime, no restrictions. Contact Morgan if you're interested in. Six-week seminar on how to control your dreams. Once you get your master's degree, you will be put into an induced coma for whatever time you choose to enter your controlled dream life. Contact Morgan if interested in Who's Morgan, you might ask? Great, who's Morgan? Who's great? Great question. According to his bio, uh, his, his Twitter bio, Morgan is his business manager. And Morgan's phone number is right out there. And I looked at that <laughs> phone number and I was like, why does that phone Please number look familiar? Please tell me you called it. I, it I, I looked at that phone number like, that looks familiar. And I was like, you know why? Because I called Morgan before to ask him about if I could get on this Sasquatch hunt. And so no! I've actually, I've actually, you know, Morgan and I have spoken before. This is. <laughs> so guys, can we call long story now? Short, can we call now? This is this is literally the stuff that I turn off. Like I can't handle the awkwardness of if Clark is successful in dialing this number. Oh, bro, I hope Clark Clark. I'm taking the headphones Clark. out. And no, let me no, just let me, let me, let me, let me lead the call. Let me lead the call. <laughs> okay, Jesse, can you clear something up for me? Yeah. So he says you'll live your perfect life, but it's just when you're asleep. Yeah, exactly. That's why you need to be in the drug and the the medically induced coma to really get the most out of your dream state. But but here's the thing, Jamie, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. But then you wake up to your real life. If unless you've been through the six week (laughs) seminar and have Jose Canseco's master's degree, I wouldn't go dabbling. He already warned you what would happen if you try and die in the dream state. Jamie, you're stuck in the dream plane. (laughs) Can you call? Can you like call from FaceTime audio? I can put it on. Spe- I'll put it on speaker. Hey, I'll put it on speaker right by my mic if you guys. Yeah, want. just do it. Do it. Right, do, it. do it. Do it. All right. Hold on. Let me. I'm terrible with number. All right. You got. All right. Hey. Do y'all remember? Do y'all y'all dream? Yeah, I do sometimes. Here we go. Here goes nothing, guys. Can you guys hear this? Oh my this? gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is Scott's tots. It's amazing. No, this is this is why podcasting was invented. <laughs> If if this doesn't work, I'll contact him in the dream plane. <laughs> he's probably, oh he's, he's, I mean, he's probably he's getting busy, blown up man. right now. He's going to have to call waiting. Please don't answer. Please answer, Morgan. Seven, zero, two, three, seven. He doesn't even oh, have a voicemail like script. That joint's just the basic AT&T joint. Let, let, <laughs> let me leave a message here. Hey, Morgan, uh, my number is, uh, well, you figure out how to call me back. Um, I'm uncomfortable shouting it where I am, uh, but I'm interested in the dream plane and the dream realm and the six-week course by Jose. If you could call me back, obviously, this is urgent. Uh, Thank you, and I'll see you in the dream realm if you don't contact me soon. All right, Morgan, good to talk to you again. This is awesome. fingers crossed he's calling back hey jesse if he calls you back you have to record the phone call deal oh of course i have you guys don't understand it awkward phone call i don't feel awkward i i I am there there are two (laughs) things in life that i feel like i'm uniquely good at okay like there there are things in life that i feel like i'm i'm like i i I can do things at the level that semi-competent people can do things for about most things you know but the the two things it's like i can create really dumb games for podcasts again these are very marketable (laughs) skills by the way out in the open job market uh you know i can make dumb games for podcasts 
and I'm very, very comfortable making extremely awkward prank calls. I don't know why. Those are the two <laughs> gifts, you know, to each his own. And, and, you know, if Morgan calls back, I will absolutely record it for you, Jamie. Maybe I need to be part of this because I can't remember ever dreaming. I know technically everybody does, but I don't wake up with any recollection of anything ever happening. So maybe I need to go to his seminar, get his master's degree from Jose Canseco and learn how to dream. You know, it, so it, listen, if I was honestly tempted to like find out all the details I can and how much this six week seminar cost. And if there, yeah. There are so many better places for people to to send GoFundMe money, but I was thinking, you know, if, if everything was right in the world right now, I would probably not be above yeah. saying, guys, listen, uh, Carlos can tell you that me spending the money is probably not going to work out great for my personal relationships. But if people GoFundMe, I will go and or I will send a <laughs> surrogate and they can go tell us what the dream realm was like. Oh, my gosh. All right. What do you have, Jamie? Oh, uh, well, my I just have an update. Okay. So okay. a couple of weeks ago we talked about Tom Cruise going to space to film a movie. Remember right. this? Yeah. Right. Like yeah, Tom yeah. Cruise can do whatever he wants, however he wants, do all his own stunts. Uh well, now we have a director that's um on with the movie. Uh Doug wow. Lyman, is that how you say his name? Yeah, I, I believe so. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it I sounds about so. right. He did American Made, Edge of Tomorrow, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Born Identity, movies and the mm. like of that. Oh. So he's teaming up with um, Cruz on this. They've already got the first draft of the screenplay. And um, this is kind of breaking news right now. You know, we don't we don't record this on Friday. We record this on Wednesday. Uh, right now, the SpaceX Falcon 9 is going into space today. If the mm-hmm. weather cooperates, Cameron, your weather down in Florida is a little overcast um, today. It's uh, been raining all morning. I'm looking at the sky right now. It's very dark skies. I, I is the first time humans have launched from into space from American soil since 2011, the final space shuttle, right? I will be up on my roof as soon as we're done recording because we can see it from here in Orlando. We can see it on the horizon and I, I'm very excited. I'm well, very I've seen, I was just looking at Twitter just now and they have been worried about the weather, but it is a go. Cameron, you need to get on your, your roof, 433 Eastern time. It's supposed to go up. So I have an um, alert for 420 to get the ladder out for real. Okay. So the update is that we have a director for this movie and you know, they're, the, you know, they're stating the obvious that says clearly they're going to have an unprecedented pre-production, you know, clearly. So that's, that's the <laughs> yeah, newest update yeah. there. The pre-produ- pre-production schedule, <laughs> get to space. All right. Then we'll figure, once we're out there, we'll figure out production. But, but before that, we got to figure out how to get mm-hmm. up there, guys. I don't know if anyone thought I, uh, we got to, <laughs> I'm excited about this launch today. I'm being for real. This is me because when I was a kid, I was there was a season of my kid era that I was very into space. Like I had a scrapbook. Like I was very into it. So and 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 y'all know Jesse and I went to space camp as an adult a couple yeah. years ago. <laughs> and um, but when I so in 2011, my son was two, and it was the final space shuttle launch. And I grew up here in Central Florida, but I'd never been to a launch right. I went online, got a raffle, a raffle and got tickets to be able for the first time in my life to go to an actual launch, right? It was a morning launch and we did the math with all the traffic because it's a two lane road to get out there. Uh, we'd have to leave about two in the morning, two in the morning. I had two year old. Wow. And I set my alarm and I was very tired and I thought, nah, and I didn't go. 
I still uh, have the tickets and I just, I didn't go. I can't believe it. I was kicking myself. Like this was like history and I was too tired to go. I hear, you guys know my feelings about space. Super lame, super boring and <laughs> super it's too much money, yeah. too much money, too expensive. No one's got time. No one's got time to go up there. Okay. We're all very busy. A lot happening down here. On Earth. Why are they hitting golf balls off the moon? Okay, we don't have anything better to do. It, co- it costs $25 billion to get you up there. It seems like every minute, pretty valuable, pretty costly to the taxpayers. <laughs> Glad you brought the nine iron out and just saw what would happen if you just took a chip shot, okay? Okay, here's my question to to Derek and Jamie here. Because Cameron, uh, you've made your thoughts on space very clear. I know you think very it's cool. Very clear. Derek and Jamie, if you had the tr- if you had the choice between uh, you get access to space travel whenever you want, or Jose Canseco dream control, what are you taking? I'm taking Jose Canseco dream control. I go to space in my dreams if I want, and I guarantee you, Jose Canseco space dreams are way cooler than actual space. They both have a big chance of dying. I mean, you can die in space or you die in dreams. You live in space forever or you live in your dreams forever. I don't. I would never trust my life to Jose Canseco. Yeah, I, I wouldn't trust anybody's life to Jose Canseco. And I keep remembering Total Recall with their eyes popping out of their skull when they when they ran out of air. Do you remember that? Like the bad, the bad, yeah. like claymation or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I'm like, yeah. nah, I'm cool. That may may or may not be real. But, man, I'm just going to just continue watching Star Wars and just thinking it's like that. Der- Derek's <laughs> like, it's all fun and games to so get incepted by Jose Canseco. Then he's running around <laughs> in her head all Facts. Facts. Guys, listen, hey, I don't want to alarm I don't want to alarm anyone. Jose Canseco yeah. incepted me and he's in there. He's every time I go to sleep, he's he's doing adventure <laughs> or something. And it's weird. It's weird. Uh, yes. All right, what do you have, Derek? So what I got um uh Hawk Nelson frontman John Steingard says he no longer believes in God. Um, so he wrote on an Instagram post after growing up in a Christian home, being a, a pastor's kid and playing and singing in a Christian band and having the word Christian in front of most of the things in my life. I'm now finding finding that I no longer believe in God. I think one of the you can read the whole thing on his IG, but I think one of the things that stuck out was he said the process of getting to that sentence has been uh, several years in the making. It didn't happen overnight. And all of a sudden it's been more like pulling on the threads of a sweater and one day discovering that there was no more sweater left. So Hmm. like, man, that's that's deep. Um, And I think that this really speaks to. I, I just wonder how many Christian celebrities have, are mm-hmm. in this place you know what i mean i know mm-hmm. being out on like mm-hmm. being out on the road with a lot of people we have some very interesting conversations and i think you know he one thing he said was he said i wrestled he said he wrestled with telling people about this but he, he said enough the, the longer he went with this the more he felt like it would be ingenuine not to tell people because you gotta think this guy's probably playing shows at churches as asking the, you know people to speak and all these different things so he's he's like yo rather than just continue playing a role finance you know for financial benefit i'd rather just tell you guys where i stand it's it's a really sobering thing man and and, and it's it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty wild and then his front uh one of his partners you know kind of kind of tried to encourage him and said we're all on different journeys etc cetera, etc cetera. and it, it's, it's crazy yeah I, I mean but think about it like how many you know christian you know alternative bands from 2000 i mean they're 20 years old yep. at the yep. time 
grew up in the church and they found a lane to play music, you yeah. know, Christian music and stuff. And then it's like, now they're at a very different season of life. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're full on adults now. They're in their thirties, forties. Yeah. And, and you, you keep evolving as humans. Everybody's on a journey, a spiritual journey of some sort. You're heading toward or away from God or whatever or construction and re- deconstruction. And it doesn't, it, it's not surprising to me that he said this. And, and like you said, like how many other artists of his or his peers are probably on the same journey as him, but they feel boxed in or they can't speak out about yeah. where they're authentically at. Um, Derek Webb is an artist who from that era, mm-hmm. different genre, but uh, that has been very vocal about his deconstruction of his faith. He posts on Instagram this week, like, Hey, just all y'all who's, you know, labeling me atheist, things like that. It's like, listen, like I, I would be fine if I was proven wrong about everything. Like God is real and everything. And like, and, or I find out that God is real and all that. Like I, I don't hold adamantly to anything of where I'm at. And and somebody in his comments said, Derek, man, I mean, a lot of times you have to fully deconstruct before you can reconstruct anything. And so it's like, don't worry about it, man. We're here with you. You know, that kind of thing. And so it's like, that's just the real human experience. That's authenticity. And I'm not yeah. advocating for pull the sweater and unravel your faith. Not all of us are there, but we all do need to always be questioning why we believe what we believe and be testing the spirit and like, you know, like in an effort to grow into a deeper and more substantive and authentic faith. And so, Hey man, you know, so he's at a place in his journey where he's kind of at a place like, I don't know that I believe what I used to. I don't know. You know, I don't know that I even believe in God the way that he used to define God. That's not the end of his journey. Right. Right. Obviously, you know, it'll be interesting to hear an update 10 years from now. Can I read what the band said? Yeah. Yeah. Please. They said one of our on Hawk Nelson's Instagram said one of our best friends, one with whom we have walked, worked and lived alongside for 20 plus years, revealed some of his innermost feelings on his faith journey this past week. And then it says our mission as Hawk Nelson has always been to inspire and encourage all people with the truth that God is for them and not against them. And that message is most simple and purest form that they matter. Mm. So now we turn that truth towards one of our own, that God is still for John and he still matters. Why? Because that truth doesn't change just because we question it. And then this kind of goes with what you're saying, Cameron. It says how we treat one another when they are at a different stage in their journey based on their life experiences is part of a bigger conversation. We are called to love one another unconditionally as God loved us. We should also encourage and challenge one another in our faith seeking truth. I think that's great. And I think it brings up a great uh, conversation about cultural Christianity versus Christianity, because what he's saying is, I think in a sense, he's saying I've been mostly a cultural Christian all of my life. Um, that's what he's saying. I grew up in a church, had Christians stapled in front of everything. And now where he's at, that cultural Christianity doesn't feel uh, feel a place in his life anymore. So, but that doesn't mean like, I think Cam, you said a great thing. It doesn't mean that his story is over with. And, and that's kind of the no. big response that often happens in cultural Christianity is the moment you have any questions that don't fit within the narrative. Now, all of a sudden we just eject you out of the club. Uh, and I, I think think that's bad i think i think the response from the band is 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 excellent um it's beautiful beautiful. yeah Yeah. and and i think too it shows like an evolution hopefully i think one that is somewhat generational you know a a generation ago doubt was looked at as like a sin you know what i mean where not where all that does all that does is make people intellectually dishonest 
You know what I mean? But like making doubt a bad thing makes people forced to be intellectually dishonest. They, in other words, they'll say things that they might not actually believe because they're too afraid to tell people what they believe and what they doubt without because they feel like they're going to be judged or cast aside when when the reality is is like doubt in and of itself isn't sinful you know like there's a reason the psalms say come all to come to me he didn't say come to me all who know everything and are super energized and you totally got this no he says come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden mm. and need rest. It's mm-hmm. Jesus wants the people who are struggling. He, he, you know, that's the whole message of the gospel. It's like, Hey, listen, a lot of people doubt, you know, uh, people, Jesus own disciples doubt it. You know what I mean? But like, he didn't cast them aside. He, 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 he pulled them closer. And, and so right. like, I feel like if we're supposed to be Christ, if we're, if the church is supposed to be the body of Christ, then that's how we should treat doubt. You know, we should, you know, not look at it as like it's this, you, you, like I said, this overtly sinful thing. It's not. It, 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 you know, we're we're human beings. We're gonna we're gonna question things. Jesus, you know, the the the, the Bible seems pretty clear about that. That that you know, you know, even Paul struggled with stuff. You know, I think I think our job as a church is to to be more willing. And the to, Psalms are full of it too. Of yeah, like, God, yeah. where are you? <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think this also brings up another, con- my husband Aaron and I had this conversation just last night because someone emailed me that they didn't like a guest of mine on my podcast and that I should have a disclaimer and this wasn't blah, 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 blah. And it's this I, idea I, that- I apologize someone, to those people. It was you. I pretty deep into Jose Canseco dream theory and too hot. But my, but what happens is, you know, he comes out and says that he's having these doubts and all these things. And then people are like, oh my gosh, I built my whole faith on him, you know, or when, if you don't agree with someone or they change their mind about something, it's like, we're too, as you know, cultural Christianity is too much. Like, I just believe what they believe Mm -hmm. instead of, Mm -hmm. I believe what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. We base our whole faith on, I'm just going to follow this person Mm -hmm. and whatever they do. And they're going to, they're going to fail. They're going to change. They're going to evolve. And I think this also is a deeper conversation about okay when when you're following someone because oh this is my idea of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and there's nothing wrong with like you know admiring and mentors and all those things but I guarantee you people are going to come out and be like I'm burning all these albums and all these kind of things and you know this is messing up my faith but we have to have faith that's based on the Bible and not just someone else does that make sense mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's in Philippians where Paul would say therefore my beloved or therefore, my friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but not so much in my absence, continue to work your own salvation with fear and trembling. Like we can't if if my salvation is rooted in as much. I, I, I've never really listened to Hawk Nelson, but if my salvation is is rooted right. in the front man of, of Hawk Nelson, mm-hmm. then I have a very weak foundation. If your foundation yeah. is rooted in what Derek Miner is going to do. Your faith, if it's rooted in that, you're in trouble because there's no telling yeah. what's going to happen to me 10 years from now, you know? That's right. There you go. All right. Well, that'll do it for Slices. All right. Stay tuned. Up next, it's your feedback.
You're listening to Fanagram. The song is Into Happiness. Okay, so it's time for your feedback. Uh, We're going to have a question of the week here in a second. But I wanted, before we did that, I wanted to update y'all on something real quick. This is feedback. People were tweeting at the podcast about this whole Chuck E. Cheese stuff. And it got, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, it got me looking more into it. If you're really interested in the actual stuff of like, how Chuck E. Cheese and Showbiz Pizza and the businesses, there's corruption, backbiting lawsuits. It's so crazy. It's really fascinating. There's a documentary about it uh, that was done in 2008. You should go check it out. There's an actual backstory to it. And I wanted to fill in some gaps that we talked about the other week. Okay. We talked about Pasquale's Pizza. Remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Pasquale, his name is Pasquale P. Pieplate. He's an Italian immigrant and he's the chef and drummer of Munch's make-believe band. As an adult, he inherited his family's restaurant where he paired his traditional Italian fare with his lukewarm stand-up comedy routine, which it didn't go well. So customers at his family's Italian restaurant didn't like his stand-up comedy, his jokes were inappropriate, and the business began to tank. So Pasquale and his nephew Gino faced a harsh reality. They're going to have to shut the place down. Well, those plans changed when Pasquale discovered an unwelcome rodent who had been residing in his restaurant. Now there's a backstory to Chuck E. Cheese. Chuck E. Cheese was an orphan and he got some money and he made it to the big city, but he didn't have anywhere to live. And he ended up living above this Italian restaurant. So one night, (laughs) this is true. So Chuck E. Cheese was this restaurant. Now Chuck, Chuck E. Cheese, he's a singing mouse. Well, he was a rat originally a singing rat. And, uh, and then one night Pasquale discovered the singing rat in his kitchen. And it was the answer to Pasquale's business woes. So he dumped the family name in favor of Chuck, Chuck E. Cheese's. The E stands for entertainment, by the way, it's Chuck entertainment cheese, uh, where he basically forced the singing rat to perform like he was Judy Garland or something, uh, being an orphan with no social skills, not to mention, probably unresolved childhood trauma, Chuck E. was unable to perform under such intense pressure. People hated him. Without the gift of song, Chuck E. Cheese was just a rat in a t-shirt. It wasn't until Chuck E. Cheese saw a child leaving the restaurant wearing a birthday crown that he decided to sing his favorite song to the boy who, you know, the boy appeared sad that his parents had dragged him out to, you know, see the singing rat. Chuck being, Chuck E. being an orphan, always yearned to have a birthday party, but nobody, because he was an orphan, nobody knew when his birthday was. And so he never had a birthday party. So that was his dream is have a birthday party. And that's why happy birthday was his favorite song. So Chuck E to make the boy happy sang happy birthday. Um, because he never had one. However, uh, the orphan mouse was living out his unfulfilled childhood dreams, uh, having a birthday. And then, you know, it, it goes on from there and they, you know, there's a whole interconnection of like who all the characters are in the band. I, I but like, that's how Chuck E. Cheese become Chuck E. Cheese. I like to think that in the, supposedly. in the Chuck E. Cheese boardroom, you know, when they were first getting off yeah. the ground, they're just this scrappy startup. They're like, Hey, Phil, need you to come up with names and backstories for the animatronic band. And he like comes and he reads this whole dramatic thing about the orphaned immigrant from Italy who, yeah. who's looking for an opportunity. And they're like, we're kind of thinking more along the lines of just saying something like singing rat from the sewers, just kind of like that. But I'm glad you got this whole orphan backstory. You really went over and above Phil, but we're going to need the rest of those band bios by lunch. Yeah. All right. So that's a little Chuck E. Cheese. Clark probably edited out 90% of that, but there you go. Which brings us to editorial question of 
Weekend. All right, we we want to get back in the flow of hearing from you guys. Uh, you know, we talked about Chuck E. Cheese a couple weeks ago. Now you know more about it. Uh, you're probably a few of you are deep in the rabbit hole about Chuck E. Cheese backstories. We want to know about your birthday party experiences. We want to know uh, the funniest or maybe most embarrassing thing that's ever happened or to you or that you've seen at a birthday party. Uh, do you guys have any? Yeah, so this isn't really my, uh, this wasn't my birthday, but I pretty much ruined my best friend's birthday growing up. Uh, it was at a skating <laughs> rink and they bring out, of yeah, course. of course it's at a skating rink and they bring out yeah. the uh, birthday cake and I, he he was, you know, happy birthday, da, 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 da. and before he could get to blow his candles out, I blew him out before he could get to it. <laughs> but here's the, here's the trick though. The trick is that the candles were trick candles. So the, the flame kept coming back and I just kept blowing and spitting all over the cake until the cake kind of was ruined. So uh, he never let me live that down. Like every time we see each other, bro, you remember you ruined my birthday? So, yeah. And then and then in college, you beat up your roommate for his yeah. birthday. Really you're work. not a good... I'm awful, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're not. I'm not inviting you to my next party. Listen, I, I didn't get a lot of invites either when I was a kid. I wore the bowling shoes home from the bowling alley twice. <laughs> like, twice we pull in the driveway. I'm like, mom, you're not going to believe this. Look who wore home the bowling the shoes, shoes again. And look who's got to go back to the bowling alley now. Yeah. It's, oh you know, goodness. it's, yeah. Uh, when I was a kid, I had a birthday and I don't remember this, but my mom tells me I had a birthday party and nobody showed up except oh. it was just my mom and me and like, like maybe a cousin or something. I have zero memory of it. And she said as a kid, I was like, you know, who cares? Uh, but nobody showed up to my birthday party. And I don't, maybe I do remember. Maybe I have childhood wounds from I not mean, having For pressed. real, there's there's trauma counseling where they can help you unearth that and dive into it. Because uh, that was probably very I, formative. Because trauma, trauma memories, kids block out. Like our, our yeah. brains <laughs> block yeah. them out. Jamie, I bet, you though, are, I could go into a dream and I could go back to that birthday we need party. To do. I, if Morgan calls me back, Jamie, <laughs> yes. I'm going to out. I, I hope he does. Because can you put me Can you like put I'll three, me into that call? I will three way you into that call and I will, t- I'll be like, Morgan, listen, here's the deal. I got to know if the seminar is going to cover this because it's a, it's a bad childhood birthday deal. And, uh, can Jose get in there and find the repressed Jamie, memory? Can he go poking around? I, Jamie, I'm not, I'm not going to, I mean, I know a lot of people have different feelings about counseling and stuff, but like, I'm telling you, you don't remember it because that is how our body chemically copes with trauma. I mean, no, I know this. So here's another thing that happened to me. I'm an Enneagram six. and I was doing a conversation one time about Enneagram and they say that a lot of times Enneagram sixes have a childhood wound. Like they were left, they were abandoned. And I'm talking to this person. I'm like, I got nothing. I got nothing. I'm telling my mom and my mom's like, well, when you were two, I had to leave for three months for a work trip and you stayed with your dad. And she said, you cried and cried when I left. And I was like, there it is. There's my childhood wound that I don't even remember that my mom left me for three months. Uh, I'm, and I'm nobody has ever come to one of your birthday parties. And, Jamie, I, and nobody came to my birthday party. It was a rough it. life for I, me. I know. I'm a six. And what I've done is I went ahead and Jose Canseco pop on in the old <laughs> noggin and plant some new good memories in my childhood. I don't even know what happened. I mean, it's kind of, I'm not going to be honest, it's kind of a blur. And I'm kind of disturbed at some of the things he planted up there. And to be honest, Morgan's not returning my calls. Don't know how to undo what he did. And uh, I'm pretty scared right now. And I've made some bad life decisions, but uh, the Jose Canseco dream thing is right up there at the top. So, oh gosh. So, Morgan, if you're listening, <laughs> really need you to call it. <laughs> <laughs> 
for some reason, Jose Canseco attended every one of your childhood birthdays. Yeah, so you don't yeah. know why. Yeah, I'll tell you this. He's a hilarious guy and thinks it's really funny to blow out other people's candles, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, hit us up with your uh, stories or your repressed trauma stories, either one, your birthday party stories. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast or you can message us on Instagram and Facebook as well. Well, thank you to Kristen Bell and Josh Gad for stopping by. You can check out their new animated musical series, Central Park. It debuts today on Apple TV Plus. And you can also follow the show on Instagram at Central Park Official. Also, thanks to Carlos Whitaker for joining us as well. You can follow him on social media at Los Wit. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I really need Morgan to call me back. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Jamie Ivey. (laughs) And I'm Derek Miner. We will see you next week. Have a good week, everyone. listening to the relevant podcast check out our features interviews and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com and make sure to follow relevant on twitter facebook and instagram for the latest for more great podcasts check out our relevant podcast network featuring shows like relevant daily signs of life unedited and many more launching throughout the year It's all fun and games to get incepted by Jose Canseco. Relevant Podcast Network.